June 24th, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Daf Mem Aleph, Amud Aleph. And if you count down in the wide lines, the second line right in the middle, says the Gemara Amar Rav Hanan. Rav Hanan has the following statement. We began it yesterday. If there are witnesses who testified about Na'aram Ha'orasa, about a woman who's engaged, the case that the Torah describes in Parashat Kitese, they in turn, if they were found to be Aidim Zomimin, if they're found to be conspiring false, false witnesses, they would not be killed. Why wouldn't they be killed? We always do to the witnesses that which they conspire to do if they're found to be conspiring witnesses. Explains Rab Hanan, because they can claim our intent was not to put her to death. It's true, she was going to be put to death. That wasn't our intent. Our intent was only that she become prohibited in relations to her husband. That, of course, is a consequence as well. Right? In other words, uh, in any circumstance where there's a consensual relations, even if there's no witnesses, the halakha is vinitme'a, and the Gemara in Masechet Sotah has a derasha about the words vinitme'a in the Torah, that if a woman has consensual relations with another man, she becomes prohibited in future relations with that man and with her husband. In turn, says the Gemara, the witnesses, the Aidim Zomimin, can and would claim, well, we were only here, why should we be put to death? You can't do to us that which we conspire to do to kill. We didn't intend to kill. The Ha'atruba says the Gemara, how could they make such a claim? They're going to make a claim. We didn't have intention to kill her. After all, you can't put to death Without a, without a warning, without a hatra, if they issued a warning, then clearly they exposed themselves that they had in mind to put her to death. They say that's what the hatra is all about. You're about to do something for which you'll be put to death. Clearly they know and have that in mind. Answers the Gemara de la Atruba. They didn't have, they didn't issue a warning. We're in the fourth wide line over here. De la Atruba. They didn't issue a warning. They didn't issue a warning? Well, if they didn't issue a warning, we don't open the case. It's one of the first questions we ask the witnesses. Did you warn? Did you give a hatra'a to the person who did the sin? So as the Gemara la atruba, if they didn't warn, hechi miktela, how would she at all be killed? How could you open the case in the first place? Answers the Gemara bi'isha havera ve'alibadir bi'oseber bi'uda, detanyar bi'oseber bi'uda, omer, haveren sari hatra'a, l'fishilon yitena hatra'a, ela le'avchim ben shogeg ne'mezid, ve'kevan di'inu la miktele, Excuse me, stop over there. It says the Gemara, perhaps the case that Rav Hanan was talking about, again, Rav Hanan's statement, his foundational statement is, if there are witnesses testifying about a woman, that she's in Na'aram or Asa, who had relations, they're not going to be put to death if they're found to be Idim Zomimin. Why not? They can and would claim we were only interested in making her prohibited to her husband. We were interested in distancing her from her husband, from future relations. But wait a second, they issued a warning. You can't claim that was your intention. You issued a warning. They didn't issue a warning. They didn't issue a warning. How did we open the case? We're following the opinion of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah's opinion is that warnings are only necessary in halakha in order to determine that the person who's doing it is doing it with full intent. It has nothing to do with more than that. That's Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah. Hachamim disagree with Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah. According to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah, we encountered him on Dafhet. We encountered him again on Dafayin Bet. Not hold that more. hold that thought for a second. So according to Biosib Rabiuda, therefore, if she's an Isha Haverav, she's knowledgeable, she doesn't need a warning. Because the whole point is to make certain that she knows what she's doing. She doesn't need a warning. That's how the Gimara suggests an answer for Rav Hanan. Rabbi says, Well, wait a second. According to the Hachamim, 
if it's not levchin ben shogeg ben ezid, so then what is the purpose of a hatraah? The answer has to be according to the hachamim, it's lehatira atzma lemita, as we saw in the Gemara, those words earlier. It has to be that in a circumstance where I'm about to do something, I, so to speak, according to the hachamim, pronounce the death penalty upon myself. Uh, it's not about whether you're purposeful or not. It's that you accepted this. If you didn't accept this, we're not going to put you to death. I mean, it's a little bit counterintuitive. But to that extent, we won't put to death according to the hachamim. But now says the Gemara according to Rav Hanan, if that's the case, all right, so we solved it. Now I understand the circumstance. Situation is the witnesses testify about this woman. She's an Aram Orasa. She had consensual relations with that man. You can't put us to death even though we're false conspiring witnesses. Why not? We were only interested in making her prohibited to her husband. Wait a second, you had a warning? There was no warning. She's Isha Havera. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, if the witnesses would not and could not be killed in such a circumstance, she, meaning the woman, La, la Shema Edut, as usual, Jeffrey, I underestimated. All right, I always do. All right, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Anyway, says the Gemara, the Gemara questions now. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, if the case truly is that these witnesses, we won't do to them, quote unquote, as they conspired to do, as they wanted to put to death this woman, well, then their testimony is flawed. Why is their testimony flawed? It's what we call by definition. The Torah t- teaches that we'll only accept a witness in Eid if you can check that Eid, that witness, to the extent that you can do to him or that which he conspired to do to the person. Again, the principle is you're only considered a witness if there's the threat of punishment upon you. If you don't have that threat of punishment upon you, then we don't accept you as a witness because we say you had nothing to lose. You walked in and you lied. Now, it's a big Again, thing over here because this is a woman. Doesn't matter. But in circumstance, I mean that you're 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 referring to maybe. Uh, that's right. The question is what punishment they'll get. The punishment of the man or of the woman, assuming they have different punishments, nothing more than that. That's what we're doing that for in Masih Sanedrin and Masih Makko. But the question of the Gemara is according to Rav Hanan, we'll never have, it appears, Beisha Havera, a circumstance where they can put her to death. If they can't have the punishment uh, boomerang back to them, then we shouldn't accept their testimony in the first place. Says the Gemara, Indeed, Rav Hanan would argue that way. That's right. Rav Hanan would tell you, anytime witnesses walk in to testify about Nishah Havira, a woman who's knowledgeable that she had consensual relations with this man when she was Na'aram or Asa. We'll point out in the Gemara doesn't need to be when she was Na'aram or Asa. They can't put her to death because they can't in turn get the Ka'ashir Zamam. Says the Gemara, it's inconceivable. It's just not possible that you won't find a case in which the Isha Havera, the knowledgeable woman, will not be put to death 
for a wrongful act of sexual promiscuity with a man. It's just not conceivable. The Torah can't have that sort of loophole. I know law systems have loopholes. I know the Torahs at times will find the loopholes and you'll find ways to wiggle in and out of things. We know about that. It can't be to this extent that if there's a woman, according to the Yosef Berbi who's a primary opinion, it might be the minority, but he's a primary important opinion, according to his opinion, it appears, says the Gemara, you'll never put to death a woman who's knowledgeable and knows the law in a circumstance where she has relations with another man other than her husband. That's just wild. The Gemara can't accept that. It can't be. It can't be. So Jeffrey yesterday began us on thinking, okay, but we're going to punish. It's true, we're going to punish. But it's inconceivable that we won't, that she doesn't have death penalty hovering above her. Says the Gemara, all right, generally speaking, she won't, but there will be cases where she will. Like what? Second Second time offense. Why does that change anything? First offense, she's already prohibited to her husband. So that's the so, so the first time they could claim these witnesses, they say, ah, we were just testifying in order to make her prohibited to her husband. Once she has a second offense, she sleeps with another guy, in that circumstance, they can't say we just wanted her to be prohibited. She is already so prohibited to her husband. intention, right? The intention it's is really very bad. important. Yeah. In such a circumstance, the Ed can no longer claim... So he's, he's going looking out for his friend and he's saying, okay, fine, this is really why I just don't want you to be with That's right, but he can't claim that the second time. Again, the second time. Does it have to be public knowledge of the woman already is he shot? Time, time? Absolutely, if it wasn't it public be. knowledge, but they the can't claim that, you know, then they could claim the second time she wouldn't be with husband. That's the point of the Gemara. That's the Gemara. It has to be death penalty. And in turn, in that situation, only in that situation, would you do kashir's amount to them? Because we can't claim that they were just looking to prohibit her. And in turn, she would get killed as well, because it's edu hazima. Says the Gemara. But they still could make a claim in that situation. Veha yecholin lomar leosra al bo'alash but they could still make a claim that we weren't looking to put her to death. What do you mean you weren't looking to put her to death? What were you looking to do? To make her prohibited, she's already prohibited to her husband and the first person she had relations with under her husband. Right? That's the halacha. I told you. from the pesukim of Vinit But that she's asura leba'ala uleboala, both to the husband and to the person she has relations with. But now she has relations with a second man. So the witnesses can still claim, again, they're found to be conspiring witnesses. They're edim zomimim. We say, all right, that's it. You're death penalty. And hold on one second. We weren't interested in her killing. Shalom. We just wanted her to be prohibited to that man. Well, she was already prohibited to all the men. No, no, no. There's still second. another man, the second guy. So, so now we're still stuck. Answers the Gemara, the only case, according to Rav Hanan, according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudan, that Isha Havira doesn't need a hatra'a, that you're going to put to death. That woman is Shezinta Mibu'il Rishon. It's a second time with the same man. If it's a second time with the same man, she was already prohibited to her husband. She was already prohibited to that man. Witnesses can't make any claim. And as a result, we say to the witnesses, we know why you were there. Well, anyway, we were there to make her... She was already prohibited. That's the only reality we can... Alternatively, she had relations with, disgusting, terrible, with relatives. She was already prohibited to her relatives. She was already in Isur. Death penalty. Because the witnesses can't make a claim any any longer. Uh, Tosafot points out you can find another case. They could claim... We don't we know who the guy was. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. Well, we don't know who the guy was. 
They don't know who the guy was. Okay. So if they don't know who the guy was, now they can't make a claim in that circumstance. We were trying to make her prohibited to them. That's the first time or second time with the, with the family relatives? It can even be the first time with family relatives. Because now she's already Asura. No, I'm sorry. No, because the first time they could still claim but we wanted her even to be prohibited, prohibited to her husband. Even if they knew that she was with a relative? Yeah, again, they can't say we were trying to make her prohibited to the relative. They could say we were looking to make her prohibited to her husband. She was permitted to her husband. On the first offense, that's how you make that issue. It's got to be second time, either with the sense. same offender yeah. or with yeah. a relative. It doesn't make sense because the act she's doing is chayav mitah. With the relative. All of these. Yes, yeah. chayav yes. Mitah. this so. is called loopholes in the system. That's what it is. <laughs> again, and it's, uh, I, I will point out again... It's not loopholes that we're bemoaning because that we don't much. Kill, though. That's right. That's it's not loopholes that we're bemoaning that much. We want to very carefully and precisely make certain that no, we're but we don't killing want to say any. We don't, but we don't want to easily put them to death. So we want a very structured and rigid system. We want threats. We want everyone to be nervous. But ultimately speaking, this is my understanding of it, we're not interested in killing that many people. Uh, the Gemara, to the extent that the Gemara will say, at the bottom of the Amud, will tell this thing. It's, it's a well-known thing. The Gemara says it elsewhere. It says that in Bayit Sheni, uh, in Second Beit HaMikdash, at the end of its days, there were a lot of murderers, at least in the memory of the Hachamim. And as a result, the Sanhedrin, well, we'll read it in just a few moments, Sanhedrin were galumi mekoman, they moved from Lishkata Gazit, where they were on Har Habayit, away from there. Why so? Because they didn't want to be in a position in which they were judging people to death. There were too many murderers. That's a crazy thing. What do you mean? There's many murderers, so start so putting them all to death. Uh, claim uh, mm-hmm. overwhelming. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. So what are we supposed to do? Anyway, says the Gemara, Lastly, says the Gemara, according to Rav Hanan, which is everything we were developing today and at the end of class yesterday, that the Eidim of the Na'aram or are going to be considered um, not put to death because they can say and we were looking just to make her prohibited to her husband. So then why did he only talk about an engaged woman? Even if she's uh, even if she's married. It's the exact same halakha. Answers the Gemara in. Indeed. It's it's song. Even this woman, meaning the engaged woman, she's not sitting underneath him We'll define what those words mean in a second. They can nonetheless claim we were trying to prohibit her to her husband. She's not even fully married. She hasn't even involved herself sexually with this man. And so you'd say, oh, come on, you witnesses. That's what you were looking to do, to move them apart because they were in a relationship and you saw her moving away from that. No, they're not really in a relationship. You can't make such a claim. No, even in a me'orasa, in an engaged situation where she's not quote-unquote sitting underneath him yet, they can still make and would make and we make that claim for them in Beitin. And as a result, again, counterintuitive, Jesse, but the halakha would be that we can't kill according to Rav Hanan, those edim zomimin. Okay, back to our specific issues of bidikot and hakirot of the way in which the witnesses were checked. If you recall, the Mishnah described to us the difference between hakirot and bidikot. Hakirot, there were seven of them, according to Biyose, three. Specifically, what place and what time of the month and day are we dealing with? Uh, bidikot are the details. Bidikot are what uh, the, the question the Mishnah described from Ben Zakai. Well, how thick were the stems of those figs in the tree under which um, the, the murder took place. Amar of Hasta, and, and in the Bidikot, I'm sorry, in the Bidikot, if you recall, the Mishnah told us if 
one of or both of the witnesses abstain. You ask them, well, how thick were the, the dates or the figs? I said, I don't know. We still accept the testimony. If they said, we don't know what day it was on, we throw out the testimony, even if one of them said. If they give wrong twig. If they give size. a wrong twig and stem size, then the Mishnah told us we invalidate. That's the point we're going to pick up on right is, now. Is there a difference between invalidating and Edim Zomimim? Certainly. This is not an Edim Zomimim. This I'm is just, just saying we can't accept you because you don't know enough. We don't think you were lying. They're not considered you're not, you're not Edim Zomimim. You're not Edim at all. We didn't enter you through the door. We took you in the outside room. We were checking you out. Please, you know, next, you know, mm-hmm. call in the next set of witnesses. Amar of Hastai Hadomer Besaif Harago, the Hadomer Bearidan Harago in Zenachon. So he's referring to Rab Hasta Bedikot. Bedikot is not place, not time, but details. One of the witnesses says it was with a, a sword or a knife, mm-hmm. and the other one says it was with an Ariran. The, the side says one of two interpretations, either a smaller or an axe, uh, regardless, either a small izemel, what you use for like a birit milah, or an axe. Regardless, there, there's a discrepancy with regards to what instrument killed. In such a circumstance, en zenachon. We say that's a discrepancy, throw it out. All right, that's completely consistent with what we know from the Mishnah. If I'm our Mishnah, even if the size of the, uh, the date stem was different, we're throwing it out. Here's what's interesting. kelav shehorin kelav levanim. What if their discrepancy is what color clothing he was wearing? One guy says, and one witness says he was wearing black clothing. The other one says he was wearing white clothing. What about in such a circumstance? So we'd say, what do you mean? It's no different than the stems, thick or, or thin. So we accept that testimony. Why we accept the testimony? There's a discrepancy. Rav Hasta is pointing out a mahloket. Rav Hasta seems to be representing a new opinion. In our Mishnah, we saw the opinion of Ben Zakai. Ben Zakai told us even the size of the stem will be invalidating. Over here, says Rav Hasta, if it has to do with the instrument of killing, with the actual right. specifics of what you're testifying Zero, yeah, about, right. so then, we'll, then we'll say it's a discrepancy that we can't get past. If it's a side ancillary point, what color was his shirt? Then we won't knock it out. Go ahead. No, Rav Hasta is disagreeing. He's representing, it appears, this is what, with, he's, he's representing Hachamim who disagree, even though we didn't see them in our Mishnah, with Ben Zakai. It's a new opinion. But how do you differentiate between the color of a person's clothing to the tw- to the twigs on the floor when there you are don't you don't the those no, are the, those are identical the, that's the, the exact the same thing we are to the weapon the weapon is oh, fundamental okay, fine, fine, fine. the but the Gemara will now take off on your point and point out we're dealing with a mahloket. Metive. Metive means we're asking a question from a beraita. Nachon. The Torah talks about testimony and says Nachon. It's true. And that is a reference in the eyes of the rabbis to bidikot, to verifying that this is truthfully exactly what they're testifying about. It matches up. Nachon. It has to be correct. Okay, of course. No, but here's the example. That one we know is going to be invalidating. The Beraita continues. What about, says the Beraita, if one of them says, and again, it seems to be representing not Ben Zakai, but Hachamim, who Rav Hasta was representing as well, the difference in the color in the garment, the clothing, ends in Nachon. We're throwing it out. So clearly we're not distinguishing. Rav Hasta, we don't know where you made up such an opinion. Answers the Gemara, no, even according to Rav Hasta, Rav Hasta himself will answer, I can explain this, Beraita. How you can explain this, Beraita? You just told us explicitly that example, the color of the clothing. 
Tirgema explained, answered Rav Hasta, Besudar Shehanakobo. Dehainu Saifa Ariran. It's a question of the color of the garment that the murderer used to strangulate the other. Not what color clothing he was wearing, what color sudan he used. So it's similar to, that's the Beraita. We're explaining in the Beraita, when the Beraita says what color the clothing was. Not the clothing of the murderer, the clothing of the cloth of the murderer with which he killed. Tashema, another Beraita. We're going to continuously challenge this. Shoes. With black shoes or white shoes? Discrepancy says the Beraita, Bidikot, don't check out, throw it out. Rav <laughs> Hasta, shoes are part of the murder, says the Gemara. Indeed. What do you mean, indeed? Shoes are not part of the murder. Shoes are where you feel. The circumstance must be when you kicked him with your foot, the Harago, and in turn he killed him. So if you hypothetically kick him, hurt him, but he's not killed, and then you kill him in another measure. Mm, it's a good question. I'm not certain. You're saying because the next one is the Harago. Interesting question, but it, yeah. it added to it. It diminished his strength. I'm not certain. No, but it's... Yeah, but I, still, I don't understand the difference. Because what's the difference if I don't understand the color of the weapon that killed, or if I... All weapon issues as discrepancy that invalidates. Anything other than weapon issues is a discrepancy that doesn't even invalidate. If the was, even if the weapon was a clo- clothing or a shoe. Of course, but again, they have to check out on the clothing and shoe. If that's the weapon, they're the same. If there's a discrepancy on the weapon uh, or the shoe or the clothing, whatever it is, then we throw it out. The only time, according to Rav Hastal, we don't throw it out is when it's a side issue. What color shirt was he wearing and the shirt had nothing to do with the murder? What color shoes was he wearing and the shoes had nothing to do with the murder? I messed up the weapon and said it was a blue rag that killed. And he says a red rag... That's discrepancy, we throw right. it out, even according wow. to the Hasta. Yeah, you're watching a fight, and all of a sudden the fight turns into a murder, you're zeroed in on that meme. Right. Okay, was it just That a fight is the anymore? key thing. Yeah, but again, as, because as that's to, the instrument of death. As opposed to Mr. X was wearing a red shirt. Right. Correct. No, it was a, it was a shoe that killed. It Correct. The shoe that killed or the <laughs> shirt the killed? The shirt yeah. killed. Tashema, we will now ask a question from... Our Ben Zakai situation, but the way it's presented in the Beraita. He checked the stems of the figs. Again, are they thick or are they thin? <laughs> the stems of the, of the figs. Oh, that's not an instrument of death, is it? The suggestion is even Ben Zakai would be in line with what Rav Hasta was claiming. How so? What do you mean? The stems of the figs? No, the case is you checked because he's being put to death because of the stem. What do you mean he's put to death because of the stem? He pulled off the fig on Shabbat. Mm. That's an Isur on Shabbat. There was a warning issued and all that sort of business. He's doing a Ma'aseh Kisira on Shabbat. He's just detaching something that was being nurtured by the ground on Shabbat. In such a circumstance, his death penalty is pronounced upon him because of the stem of that but fig killed, on Shabbat. No killing right now. Our assumption that. is... Uh, you're right. Zoning, that's right. That's the Avera. Now, that's a significant 
significant detail because now we're claiming no, 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 no. that that's why he's putting being put to death. Why is he being put to death? Because he pulled off the fig. So then was the fig thick or thin? Says Rabbi, that's something you should be focused on. That is the axe, not just the side points, not just the scenery. Says the Gemara, but that's not so easy. The Beraita says explicitly the case of Ben Zakai is that there was a murder which took place underneath the fig tree. So you can't claim that it was he detached it on Shabbat, that's why he's being put to death. We're talking about a murder. And in which case we have this as a blatant contradiction to what Rav Hasta was claiming earlier. Rav Hasta said if it's side details, bidikot, you don't, ex- you don't invalidate. Over here, this is a side detail. It's under a te'ena tree. So what? So what? The point is, ultimately speaking, we need the bidikot to check out on in- integral details with regard to the death penalty. What do they want him on? Whether it's, what's that? What are they, well, depending on what the circumstances. He, he pulled down the That pig, was what we assumed before. And then he killed the person? Oh, we didn't get up to that yet. Okay. Wait, wait, that's the next line over here. Right now, the Gemara is stuck. The Gemara says the case was that he's underneath a fig tree and he murdered. Right. And Ben Zakai checks. And he says, oh, what, what, how thick were the stems? How thick were the stems? And they have different they have discrepancy and he throws it out. So he can't tell me you're a Shabbat thing. It's not the case. The case is a murder. So that being the case, how can we invalidate it? Answers the Gemara, Ela amara me bar hamakigon shishifdo or shishifado bi yichur shel The case is, he took a fig off and he stabs the guy with the thick part or the sharp edge of the fig. All right. He used it as a weapon. He used right. it as a weapon. Right. Right. What, What's that? Was, what was he warned? About? Murder. Murder, not yeah. about Shabbat. It's not Shabbat. So we're we're the off of the Shabbat oh, situation. A he used it as a weapon. Uh, that's the suggestion. It's a little bit far-fetched, but that's the suggestion. Well, right, you, can't, you can't put him to death. You can't put him to death. I suppose so. It just doesn't sound like the case. It was, it was under the te'ena. Shouldn't they have said, and he used the te'ena? But okay. Tashema. Amar lahen te'ena zu okseha dakin, okseha gasin. All right, so the question that was asked was, hi Charles, was was the te'ena, the fig, were, were the stems thick or thin? Shehorot, te'enim shehorot, Te'enim levanot, where the figs, listen to the word, white or dark, white or black. One second. When you talk about the stem, I understand the stem could be used as a weapon. When you talk about the flesh of the figs, that's being used as a weapon? The assumption is nobody uses a fig as a weapon. That's the point of the Gemara. That's exactly the point of the Gemara. That's exactly the point of the Gemara. Since the question that was asked was about the fig itself, the flesh, the skin of the fig, you're not talking about killing with the fig, in which case we're back to square one. Because now we're challenging Rav Hasta. Rav Hasta, you told us just a moment or two ago that the halakha is that if it's a side point and not part of the actual committing of the crime, of the wrongdoing, then it's not a discrepancy that throws it out. But over here, we're talking about the flesh of the te'ena. Ela amar Rav Yosef. Rather, says Rav Yosef, the way I presented it to you at the very onset of this whole conversation, mi ben zakai lotiv inish? Lotiv milashon metive. You're asking a question from ben zakai? Shane ben zakai, de bidikot ke hakirot meshavele. Ben zakai is different. His opinion is a very lenient opinion for him. Bidikot, even side, ancillary details, invalidate. 
That's not the mainstream opinion. Rav Hasda was presenting the opinion of the Hachamim. Ben Zakkai is his own opinion. And as a result, we have a Mahloket. If you walked into the Beddin of Ben Zakkai and he asked you very basic uh, or very side issues, so what's the Halakha? It's going to so invalidate. He'll go very light. He'll put to death very few people because he'll catch you on something. They'll say, what was the color of the graphic on the shirt? You don't know the answer. Done. Hachamim disagree. Hachamim say only if it's integral to the case. Says the Gemara, okay, now that we've dealt with all the real details, the meat of the, and, 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 and potatoes of this case. Who's this Ben Zakai individual? We know someone from the Mishnayot all the time. His name is Rabban Yohanan Ben Zakai. He was the student of Hillel. The Gemara tells us about him in Masechet Sukkan, Dav But is that who we're talking about? Because we refer to him as Ben Zakai. Is it Rabban Yohanan Ben Zakai? Man Ben Zakai. It's just a side point. Who is this? Man means who is this? Ilema, maybe you'll tell me it's Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakai. It's this student of Hillel whom we'll encounter in just a moment as the person. We, we, we encountered him in Masechet Roshanan Dav Kavtet. Masechet Roshanan Dav Kavtet, he was the individual who made takanot after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Mm-hmm. You remember, with regards to Lulav, with regards to Shofar. It says the Gemara, Mihava Sanhedri. It can't be Ben Zakai as Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai because our assumption, our knowledge is that Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai never served on the Sanhedrin. He he was never alive during a time period in which he was judging and could be on a Beit Din of 23 who's putting to death. So as a result, it can't be that the individual we're referring to as Ben Zakai, who's checking in such a fashion, is this Ben Zakai. V'hatanya, didn't the Beraita teach us the following? Here's how it's going to take a few lines to establish that Aban Yohanan Ben Zakai was not alive during a time period in which he was judging and we were judging Dinei Nefashot. That's what we're about to do. So it's a few stages to get there, which will leave us with the question or with the statement that Ben Zakai clearly is not Rabban Yohanan Ben Zakai. The Beraita tells us the following about Rabban Yohanan Ben Zakai. Kol shenotav shel Rabbi Yohanan Ben Zakai me'ave'esrim shana. He had 120 years of life, much like Rabbi Akiva, much like Moshe Rabbeinu. Arba'im shana asak beprakmatya. 40 years of his life sounds like the first 40 years of his life. He was a business person. He worked in business. Then, I guess he was successful. He uh, became a Kailal guy. He learned a lot. But he didn't suffice. He didn't get stuck in the Midrash. He then went out and he taught. So he had 120. Now, Limed, our assumption is he also was judging. He was involved with people, not only with his study. All right, so that's 120 years. It means only in the last 40 years of his life, is he now spreading it to others? That's the most significant part for us. Vitanya. And the Beraita furthermore tells us, 40 years before the destruction of the Mikdash, Galeta Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin Hagadol in the Mikdash, where we had the 71 judges, um, they were Galeta, they exiled themselves, via Sheva La Behanut. And it settled, they took the Sanhedrin and settled it outside of, they used to be in Lishkat HaGazit, which was in the Mikdash, which was right next to the Kodesh HaKodeshim. They moved themselves to a place in Yerushalayim called Hanut. Rashi explains the reason they moved to Hanut, the Gemara Masechet Avodah Zaran Davchet as well is, because the assumption is the only way in which you will be done dinene fashot, you'll have the ability to judge uh, life and death circumstances is when the Sanhedrin is bimkomo, is in Lishkat HaGazit. Rashi cites a pasuk from Zaken Mamre, Vekamta Ve'alita El Hamakom. You need to go to the place, and that's the only way in which you're going to put to death. Yad Ramad debates Rashi about the specifics on this, but that's the idea. Okay, so it means 40 years before the destruction of the Mikdash, just keep that in mind, the Sanhedrin is no longer in its place, and as a result, we're not putting anyone to death. 
Again, I told you earlier in the class, why not? There are too many murderers. We're nervous that we're just going to be putting everyone to death. Lastly, That's to teach you that they moved themselves so that they wouldn't be judging penalties cases. So that's the amount of penalties, like, like double? Kefil is a kenas. If you stole something and you didn't admit to it and you get caught, you have to pay double. Double is a kenas. Kenas is the four or five times if you steal a shor or a hamor and your toveah and your mocher or your mocher. That's that's what we're talking about. You don't need to be in Sanhedrin in order to deal with those. Dinek knasot Really? That's why they moved? No, no, that's not the halacha. We talked about this at the very beginning of the Masechet. Dinek knasot penalties can be judged even when we don't have Sanhedrin. Uh, penalties, all you need is what's called simuchin. We spent a lot of time on this at the beginning of the Masechet. Rather, what the words should have said is, Shelot danu nefashot. That they didn't judge life and death circumstances. Now, let, let me just lead you up to what we're up to over here in terms of, I know it's a few stages, a few steps, but it's not so hard. Number one, Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai, for all intents and purposes, is only a Dayan in the last, or only involved in people as a leader in the last 40 years of his life. The Mikdash, 40 years before it was destroyed, they stopped doing Dinei Nefashot. Lastly, Last detail that we need, Utnan, and Mishnah tells on Dav Kaptet and Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Mishahara Bet HaMikdash, Hitkin Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai. After the destruction of Mikdash, Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai was making Takanot, which means he was operating as the teacher, as the leader, after the destruction of the Mikdash. Wait a second. If he only did 40 years of his life as that sort of leader, he couldn't have been within the 40 years if even it was 39 years during Mikdash and one year after, even if he died right afterwards, you still aren't in the time zone, the period in which we're dealing with Dinei Nefashot, in which case... We can't accept that Rabban Yohanan ben Zakkai is the ben Zakkai we refer to because he wouldn't be involved in Dine Nefashot. That's the question, or that's the claim of the Gemara. It says, says the Gemara, Ela ben Zakkai Rather, we're not talking about Rabban Yohanan ben Zakkai. We're talking about someone else whose name was ben Zakkai. The Alma means of the world. I know it sounds a little funny to you and me. We don't know anyone named Zakai, do we? We know last name Zakai. We don't know first name Zakai. Uh, his name was Ben Zakai. Uh, so we have Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai, and then you have Ben Zakai. Hachena Bera says the Gemara. Indeed, I can logically suggest so. Because if you were to argue that this this person that we're referring to, this rabbi we're referring to in the Mishnah and the Berata, is actually the Rabban Yochanan Ben Zakai. Kareler B would Rabbi Udah Nasi, the author, the editor of the Mishnah, refer to him just as Heke Ben Zakai? Yeah, just refer to him as uh, I don't know. Sounds uh, like Yos- Ben Amram. Yosef, yeah, Ben Amram. All right, but that was negative. That's right. Do we shorten any other rabbis' names ever? Rarely, if ever. But the Gemara will suggest in just a moment at the time period during which they're not yet a rabbi. Okay, uh-huh. so then we refer to him. That's what the Gemara suggestion will be. The Gemara suggestion will be we don't do that, at least not in written works, maybe amongst one another. Maybe they said, you know, to his buddy would say, maybe his teacher, Hillel, would say to him even when he was a rabbi, Zakai, but uh, that we're going to refer to him, in the Mishnah that way. Vahatanya, says the Gemara, it, it, I can't accept that it's Ben Zakai de Alma, because the Beraita says explicitly, Maase Ubadak, listen to the words, Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai be'okseteinim. It's explicit in the Beraita. So we're wondering, is it Ben Zakai? Is it Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai? Is it a different Ben Zakai? Well, uh, it's explicit in the Beraita. What does the Beraita say explicitly? Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai. So now I'm stuck. It is Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai. I know that for a fact. 
However, it's impossible, based on my calculations, Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai did not live at a time in which he was governing as a Dayan, as a leader, while we were being Dandi Nene Fashot. Why are you taking the 40, 40, 40 so literal? Because we he are. obviously didn't do business when he was two. The Gemara is. That's your answer, and I hear you. He's already and, the answer. And, and, no, 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 it's a different answer, and 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 it's not a crazy, it's not a crazy suggestion. His suggestion is the forty, forty, forty. Is for, for example, the Hakam Tosafot writes in two or three places that I know of in Talmud that numbers and the words of the Hakamim are not always to be taken literally. I say it all the time. I said it most recent. No, it's a different year. Maybe it was eighty and twenty. I said when he was forty, he was working. When he was three, he was working. I understand the point. Up until 40. So that's uh, up until 40, he was working. I up until understood. 80, he was he was saying the numbers, the numbers need not be right. as literal. Did he die on the day of 120? He may have, right. but are we supposed to assume yeah, that way? Right. So, okay, it's, it's an important question. So, yeah, I hear you. The Gemara, the Gemara will give an answer anyway. Let's just finish this. And it says the Gemara, Ela Talmida Yoshev Lifnera Bohava, the Amar Milta Umistaber Lehu Ta'ame, the Kavoha Bishme. Says the Gemara, rather the case again, taking it as they are, the 40, 40, 40, literally. Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai, when he was a student, we did learn this earlier in the Masechet, we did just refer to this. They used to have three rows of students in front of the Dayanim in every Beit Din of 23. He was one of those students. At the age of being a student, when he's known as just Ben Zakai, he mentioned a miltad de mistabera. Milta means a thing, a matter, mistabera. That made sense. They accepted it. We saw already in this Perik, they would then put them next to them at the top. We saw it at the Mishnah at the beginning. The Kavua Bishme, not only did they accept it, they quoted it in his name later on. When he was a student in front of the Dayanim before he's an actual Dayan, what they call him? Ben Zakai. He's not yet the rabbi, he's Ben Zakai. When he's already teaching, when he's already leader, when he's referred to in the Mishnah as Ben Zakai, so he's referred to as such based on the way it was originally. That's the case originally. Once you refer to alternatively in the Mishnayot and the Beraitot as Rabban Yohanan Menzakai, Al Shem Dehashata, as he was known now. So the discrepancy in the Mishnah and the Beraitah, the two Beraitot, goes as follows. At the time of this occurrence, he was known as Ben Zakai. We can mention it as such in our Mishnah. We can mention it as such in one of the Beraitot. He was known as that at that time. As we're reviewing it and repeating it again in the Beraitah, the other Beraitah will call him Rabban Yochanan Menzakai. It's reminiscent for me of, I meet, so I bump into someone like Charles. Charles says to me, Rabbi, I say, anyone who was at my Berit Milah calls me by my first name. And so that's Rabban Yochanan Menzakai. He's Ben Zakai. When you're remembering what took place, who he is now, the Hashata, he's Rabban. Yo, Hanamen Zakai, Baruch Adonai, Amen, Amen.